0: what's up everybody welcome to this is i think episode 29 already kings and priests kings and priests podcast we're we're, you know it's wild to see these podcasts that are on episode you know like 650 yeah i know um, know. uh, it can't i can't believe it's gone by this fast how you doing man
1: well when you when things are fun you don't mind doing them and exactly
0: time flies right yeah yeah
1: it's it's been fun yeah how you doing Uh, i'm really good i was uh I was bound back in San Diego yesterday for a little uh, little business. Uh, those one I love those one days, man. You get up at like 5.30 mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm on an 8 o'clock flight and then I catch the 6 o'clock, I get in at 10. You know, I'm still young enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those aren't bad, especially, yeah, because what's that flight? Maybe an hour or yeah, so? Yeah, an hour and a
1: half. I'd much mm-hmm. rather come back at 11 and sleep in my own bed, mm-hmm. than, you know, get a, a crack the hotel. Do the hotel thing. You know, Get to the airport early and
0: get back. It's like, yep, I'd rather do that any day. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Uh, Are you looking at any of your investment accounts over the last couple of days? Or is it just don't even want to see it?
1: Yeah, I'm full head in the sand. I'm not looking. I don't want to know. I had a call from my uh, my guy. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm paying you to do this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything. My, so mom, only, my
0: mom, my mom called me yesterday, going, ah, the, the the investment guy called me for my thing, and I was like, mom, I I just do whatever he says and just don't right. look at the daily. I was like, cancel yeah. the daily email that tells you what happens, yeah. so you just don't see look. It. <laughs> um, and I'm
1: not, I'm I'm all invested long term. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not day trading. I'm not yep. doing crypto run ups. Like I have a little Robinhood account for, for fun stuff like that, mm-hmm. but. You know any real money that i have is is with the in the hands of professionals and then it's long term
0: yeah yeah there so today's june 14th we're recording this the rumor is tomorrow the fed's going to raise rates another 75 basis points that's a lot would be a lot for a day in a single at a single time that in. i don't know mm-hmm. what it is but i think it's going to mm-hmm. make that
1: in you know what i'm not an economist and i'm not saying i'm a novice uh mm-hmm. the best Times, but it feels like we need to slap this thing so hard to get mm-hmm. in, in inflation jolted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't have to keep doing 75, 75 Like, we need yeah, to right. Mm-hmm. And then let the market react to that. Get it, it done. To, you know, yep. get these uh this inflation down.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I just read. Uh, uh, I think this was this morning, right? Credit card debt in the U.S. hits an all time high at one point sure. one trillion. So there, it, things are just really expensive right now. And I guess if it— Well,
1: you know, when you pump trillions in and people mm -hmm. think they have all this artificial money, when that stops and then you have to start doing the reverse, Mm -hmm. uh, that that is going to have an effect on people's habits. Yeah. um,
0: Yeah. It's interesting when this happens, right? So yesterday, crypto has the worst day ever, apparently. like Literally, the worst day in the history of crypto was yesterday. And I love financial media and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, but it is funny how it turns on itself really, really quickly, and it is just like— Everyone's, I told you so, yeah. everyone says, I called this a year ago, everyone, you know, and it's just like, man, yeah. the sentiment changes like that, like that. Some people are like, this is a buying
1: opportunity, and they're going to try and pump it back up, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's, there's a whole generation of, of investors that have never lived through a recession, mm-hmm. you know, they've just only known you know, the boom times, we had like mm-hmm. three months crazy when COVID first hit, and then yep. everything took off again, so mm-hmm. this is uh, this is some people's first 08 or 2001. Mm-hmm
0: yeah and yeah it's be the news hit this morning that coinbase laid off 18 percent of its staff um this okay. kind of comes after uh people started kind of reporting to the media a couple of days ago that they had accepted job offers from coinbase that then coinbase took back so right. I think everyone was kind of preparing for this I guess right. I guess they just woke up and went to log into their stuff and were out yeah. and yeah. got an email that said hey yeah. Sorry, you know, obviously Brian Armstrong the CEO took put out a statement, said he took full responsibility. Yeah, Basically fresh, says fresh. we, you know, we grew too fast. Um and which is interesting and they're catching a lot of flack because you know, they just spent 14 million on a Super Bowl ad. Mm-hmm. Um he just bought a 133 million dollar house last year. As you do. So as you do, when you're the C- founder and CEO of Coinbase, right? Um so you know, I I wanted to ask I guess what you thought, we're starting to see layoffs across pretty much every industry. Mm-hmm. This idea of a CEO coming out and saying, we're cutting 18% of our staff. We've got to get mm-hmm. through this. We grew too fast. Um, for people that aren't CEOs, they're sort of going like, but isn't it the CEO's job to appear yep. for these days? And, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, sorry, my bad. But- well-
1: you could say what he's doing now, he is preparing because he thinks it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. So you can say, well, maybe he shouldn't have done the Super Bowl ad and he, like, he should have seen this earlier. But when you're in the euphoria of unlimited growth and you wake up every day and everything's you know up and to the right, you don't mm-hmm. think these days are going to come and then cracks appear mm-hmm. and you start to think, hang on a minute, maybe the music's going to stop and I'm going to be out of chairs here. And so then you start making these decisions. The yeah. question always for a CEO is, when do I make them? And if you miss it by three months, that's usually not fatal. If you miss it by twelve months, that kills your company. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, he's like, that "Enough's enough, right? I'm gonna mm-hmm. go cut." So, right? Would he've done it six months ago? No one knew. Like we were, we were sky high market peak last November, right? So you know, and then you you have a like, and it happens in slow motion, but at, at, a, at a velocity that is really a million miles an hour. But you're like you're waking up every day and it's like, oh, this is, is this an anomaly? And then this good bit of news happens and then, bam, you get smacked again. <laughs> yep. And it's like you wake up when you wake up and you make these kinds of decisions when you make them. Mm-hmm. And CEOs are paid the big bucks to try and- To make it. these decisions, yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. don't always. Mm-hmm. Plenty of companies don't make it. But in his mind, he's like, enough's enough, so boom. Yeah. 18% is pretty- That's a that's big- That's a pretty chunky number. Mm-hmm. Not like 5%. Yeah. Right? That's, that's nearly- you know, a fifth of your company, mm-hmm. like boom. So, yeah. Look, the timing's the timing, but I, I'm impressed. He just came out and took it and owned just it. Just did it, as, yeah. As you do as a leader, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, this is this is what's happening, mm-hmm. and he's thinking about the rest of his employees and the long term, you know, future of his business.
0: Mm-hmm. I I saw a a Twitter thread this morning a, from a CEO, founder and CEO of a startup. I think probably. More early stage, and he was kind of going on this rant about, and hear me, I'm not blaming it, and no one's blaming anyone for any of this, but his whole thing was like it's it's hard to stomach this as a CEO when every month all my investors are telling me to grow, 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 grow right. we don't want you to have two hundred employees we want you to have two thousand. So it's yeah. like he sort of said like the pressure that you get from all angles to yeah. scale and scale really fast. Right. It's not just like the CEO sitting in his office by himself, going, "All right, we need to like, we need to take yeah. this thing to the next level." You're getting the, prof- the so, is there like, is this just part of the cycle, or is after this everyone going to look back and go, "Ah, maybe, maybe we shouldn't scale some of these businesses so quickly?" It's
1: always a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is when you're in the upswing, you don't think it's going to end, and and you forget mm-hmm. about fundamentals, and so it takes you know. Something like what's gone here in the last three or four months, to the point now we're in, we're actually we're in, in bear market, and the S and P uh, haven't been there for a long time. Pull back twenty percent mm-hmm. right? on the most stable of on the the basket of five hundred companies, that mm-hmm. are the best five hundred companies in the world mm-hmm. collectively have lost twenty percent of the value, mm-hmm. and it's happened pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so it's just uh, you know it's a come to Jesus moment right. <laughs> with what's going on in the economy, and then. You just have to you've got to bat down the hatches. You have got to cut expenses. You're gonna that means mm-hmm. letting people go. It certainly means hiring freezers, And mm-hmm. uh, you better conserve your cash and make sure that you can
0: sail through. Uh, mm-hmm. If if the worst storm hits, you you know you're gonna make it to the to the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um, CEO of Flexport, Ryan Peterson, tweeted: um, "It may be that many software business models don't work when engineers cost four hundred thousand a year." Which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. Obviously, cheeky. Um yep. there's been this conversation of for the first time in a in a long time, maybe ever the labor has had most of the power in terms of yep. setting the the rate for what they're gonna be compensated. Um he he got a ton of hate from this. Someone said, Spoken like a true CEO, blame the guys actually building the product instead of the marketing and salespeople blowing hundreds of thousands on crap leads. And lunches and execs making a million a year in bonuses and and Ryan responded, <laughs> "Fair enough," <laughs> which I thought was a pretty <laughs> right. funny. Um, right. But that just brings up a lot of interesting points of you know, yeah, what what got us to this place and and then maybe yeah, talk through just this idea of like paying four hundred thousand a year for an engineer. <laughs> and well, we talk, we talk a lot about markets here, right? Mm-hmm. And um, like a true
1: marketplace. Uh, in this case, the product is um, engineering, talent, d- developing, writing code. Mm-hmm. That there's, So there's a market for that, and there's a bunch of people that can do it. And it did get to the point where the cost of that, because there's obviously a scarcity and a shortage, mm-hmm. went up, you know, like, out of control. Mm-hmm. And these companies employ hundreds of mm-hmm. these people, right? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about, you know, 400K is a lot of, like, you know, we pay our engineers a lot of money, and, and we love to, but there's a market. Right. right. And, and when does the price come down when the, the market forces change mm-hmm. and companies are going out of business and can't afford to pay this. And so it's just a cycle and it happens. It's cyclical, but that's the power of a market. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, just it as life in general, you're trying to position yourself always, right? In, mm-hmm. in, you're trying to leverage whatever you can inside of a market where you have. You know, some skin in the game and get the most out of it. You mm-hmm. know, for your whether it's your talents or whatever it is. You know, the hard thing is, is, like, man, I wish I bought that house when the when you know the prices were down here. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like trying to buy this thing when the prices are up here. But that's you know, this is a genius of like 50 years of Warren Buffett. It seems that every single time mm-hmm. he sells when, when it's high and he mm-hmm. buys when it's low. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier said than done. Because mm-hmm you got to suspend all emotion
0: mm-hmm. and do things that are going against the grain, mm-hmm. and it's just up to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I thought was interesting about this tweet was like – and you know this. You have a company. How many employees do you guys decide have now? About
1: 180.
0: Yeah, so you have 180, which is like basically managing 180 different – personalities and ideas and agendas and thoughts of what they think is important. Well, one interesting thing was here is sort of like this back and forth and there's always this like the engineering versus sales and marketing versus this versus that. How 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 do you just as a leader of an organization keep everybody cohesively understanding that what everybody does is really valuable. We're going to unify mm-hmm. under this together and, and build, you know? Right. Well, first of all, I, you know, we have really good managers, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm
1: it's rare f- at this point for, you know, myself and Frank, our COO, mm-hmm. to have direct, you know, reports that go down. So we have a great management team. But our job is to, to keep those guys, you know, buoyant and focused. And Yep. Um, and, you know, I just we just bring a level of, you know, respect on how we treat people. And, um, you know, we've made a couple of blunders where we probably c- c- shouldn't have built products or shouldn't have launched things that were – you know, maybe a bit over our skis, but we we stay pretty contained within mm-hmm. where we think we should be as far as like R&D spend and all of that stuff. But, man, ultimately, you just, you know, my job is just to set a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a culture of respect. Mm-hmm. It's a culture that is, you know, highly driven because of the mission. And we're very fortunate that, you know, we sell a product to a customer that we love yeah. and, and are the customer. And, yeah. right? mm-hmm. So it's a little bit easier. But, yeah, I, I just think good leadership in a company is you're trying to uh no toxicity around you know anything really mm-hmm. you're just to keep it pretty positive mm-hmm. and then you know try and see around the corners as best you can and make decisions you know instead of making big harsh ones that slam the brakes on you try and make lots of little ones that that you know lead you across a uh a turbulent you know season hmm mm-hmm.
0: yeah um so all this negative talk, I mean, I, I feel like it's just been the last yeah. few weeks. It's markets are bad. This is bad. All this kind of stuff. Right. I, um Packy McCormick, who I love his writing, wrote a piece on optimism uh-huh. uh, that came out yesterday. And so I figured we should talk a bit about the good stuff and yeah, optimism and, and why yeah. why being an optimist in this kind of environment produces people who really are going to do something good. Right. He He cited this poll that found that 68% of Americans believed that their children would not be better off than they are which basically puts the U.S. as the sixth most pessimistic country uh, in the it. world, which is wild, right? That is
1: very shocking to me because, you know, one of the things that I growing up in Australia, which is a great country, and mm-hmm. but you always look to America to be that big, brash, bold, huge market, strong, powerful. We can do anything. Like, that is shocking that 68% of Americans mm-hmm. believe. Um,
0: Well, and it kind of shows what they don't know. Like, I mean, you and I have both been to other countries on mission trips, and you sort of go like, I've been to Haiti where the average person makes $200 a year. And wait a minute. There's different levels to to peasants. It's interesting, right? It's an interesting. Maybe,
1: maybe, you know, Americans need to get out more, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and visit some places uh, and see where what is actually, you know, Mm -hmm. like you know being pessimistic about life is actually you know the way to go because it's so bad but look as a person of faith i'm commanded to live by faith mm-hmm. so if 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 optimism is the um the secular word of being positive about the future mm-hmm. as a christian um i understand that faith not just my faith to believe in god mm-hmm. but the faith that is actually the substance that i use To live my everyday life, Mm -hmm. that faith that I can activate by reading God's word, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having the correct wording coming out of my mouth, not um, not looking at situations that and just saying positive things about them, Mm -hmm. so they'll change. That's Mm -hmm. not what I Mm -hmm. believe.
0: Yeah, it's not just blind. It's not just being blind to the realities of what's happening. You know, hundred percent.
1: But how I speak matters because words are powerful. And we mm-hmm. all know that, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're a Tony Robbins a mm-hmm. fan or mm-hmm. a, a reader of the Bible, you know, the mm-hmm. scripture teaches how powerful words are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the whole universe was created with words, right? Mm-hmm. Like God said. Yeah. So, right. So, like all of that. So, optimism for the person of faith is about believing that, you know, God's going to make a way, He's going to guide your steps, He's going to light mm-hmm. your path you're going to make some mistakes. He's going to redeem you. He's going to dust you off. He's going to keep you going. Like Mm -hmm. that's the whole revelation of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even if your uh, default position personality wise, isn't to be an optimistic person, Mm -hmm. if you, you know, read the scripture and and really allow the word of God to transform you, like it says it can, Mm -hmm. you're going to be that person that Mm -hmm. believes the best outcome is your future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Patrick, uh, Collision, the Stripe CEO. Is that how you say his last name? Collision? Yeah, Collison. Collison. Um, he tweeted this recently. Pessimists, I think he was quoting someone. Pessimists sound smart. Optimists make money. Yeah. Um, which I thought is such a, a classic quote. But I don't he's know, maybe. A, yeah, he he's a, a legend, a... Guy, by the way. Mm-hmm, both
1: mm-hmm. brothers, him and John. But mm-hmm. yeah, like it, optimists, people of faith, they go get work done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And typically when you're getting things done, It most of the time it works out positively, right? So Mm -hmm. you just and you can't be negative and be a pessimist and get things done. Like stuff never ships. You don't ever start anything. You 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 take one step forward and four steps back. So that is that is all of that put into these few words. Um, And you know the pessimist might sound smart in the sense that they're, they're it's it's easy to take that high ground of you know, saying how something is negative and see yeah, I told mm-hmm. you so. But yeah, they're usually there's, they're still there while the optimists have gone down the road and mm-hmm. created a bunch of value and built some products and done some things that are changing the world, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, the optimist to me, it's not like they're, the optimist isn't saying there's not a problem. The optimist isn't even saying right. the chances aren't great. The optimist is saying if there's a solution, we're going to figure it out. Right. Um, and I think that's the, that's the key. I think oftentimes, especially you know, in sort of and all I can speak to is the faith tradition that I grew up in, where it is very much that word of faith mentality. Sometimes that translated to just don't acknowledge the difficulty.
1: Yeah, but I think that's yeah, we've all learned that that doesn't work.
0: Yeah. But but I think that it's this idea of, yeah, I'm not not acknowledging a problem. I'm not not acknowledging this is a really difficult time. But what I am saying is we're going to figure out the problem and we're going to build something in the midst of it. And I think that optimism now especially um, feels like it's necessary for people to just continue, continue building. And people love being around people that are optimist, optimist. Absolutely. Nobody likes being around the,
1: the pessimist
0: all the time, right? Well,
1: well, if you're a leader, or you're trying to build a company and you're, you know, you cannot be this person that people don't want to be around and not like I remember mean, I've had some Dark days, you know, as a leader, when stuff has gone wrong,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I've allowed myself to be vulnerable in front of my team. Mm-hmm. And feel deflated, okay, mm-hmm. and um, and that's good, right? That's just being you and human, mm-hmm. and I think people appreciate that. You can't sustain, you can't like stay there, like you know, everyone runs into a wall every now and again, uh, and that's deflating, and and it it takes a moment, right? You're taking stock of. Wow, what mistakes did I make, or what? Why didn't I see this, or how could I have done this better? Um, And if you stay there, and I remember this comment, someone who worked for me once, and we'd gone through the other side, right? So it was a crash. Oh man, that's you know. And then we got out, and they said to me, when I when I you know got that vulnerable and and like with that down, they said, man, if Dean's not positive. Like, how am I ever gonna be positive, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and it was like a real. They were like, it hit him. Mm. And and so I think you got to be careful when you do it. I think it's good to be vulnerable when you go through something really tough with your team, but then you have to be able to, you know, get get back on the mm-hmm. saddle and find and they go to work again. And it's like, okay, well, I, we we got a problem here. You know, let's go find the solutions together and lead you, you know you, you yourself and your mm-hmm. team out of that, and then you reflect on you know later. But it's uh, it's it's uh, being real is powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think you've just got to be this kind of leader that decides that even though you're in the valley valley of the shadow of death, you know you're not going to fear evil. Yeah, uh, you're going to come out the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Um, all right, last topic. Let's talk about negotiation. So, you know, we talk all kinds of stuff on the podcast, something Mm -hmm. that we try and do each episode is at least bring some kind of really practical, Mm -hmm. you know, advice that anyone from a startup founder to someone who has a side hustle to Mm -hmm. someone who has a lawn mowing business could, Mm -hmm. you know, get something from. So um, I want to talk about negotiation. So Mm -hmm. I guess the first question is, and this is, it may sound crazy, but I bet there's some people going, wait a minute, as a, as a Christian, uh, if negotiating is about getting what you want, I think there's mm-hmm. some people that maybe even have a hard time even just approaching that subject in, in the first place. So how do we negotiate, and we'll give some specifics in terms of tactics, I guess you could say, or what that looks like, but how do we as believers, like, before we talk about anything specific, how should a believer approach a negotiation in a business uh, context? Right.
1: Well, I think first of all, negotiating—you know—on a price of a, buying a product or a selling of a service, or you as a—you know—a brand in the marketplace getting a salary, like you're going to be negotiating stuff for the rest of you. You negotiate in marriage, you negotiate with children, you mm-hmm. negotiate—everything's a negotiation unless you're a full-on autocrat and carry a big stick and it's your mm-hmm. way or the highway. But those people don't tend to go very far. So there's always going to be the ebb and flow, the tension in a negotiation between two parties, Um, things like leverage matter, right? Like where do I, who's got the most power? Who's got the most leverage in this moment? Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm at at the 28th of the month and I go into a car lot, you know, and and they're selling me a car and I know they've got to get their number quota for the month, that's why you should always buy a car in the last few days of the month. There's much more room to uh, negotiate the price. And did I go into that? that negotiation, caring if I got the car or not. Was I so emotionally you know, into buying mm-hmm. this house that I had to have it, which means when we start negotiating, I don't have the leverage or, you know, I was a real estate back in another life. And if I had a house with a great kitchen man, I'd stand the wife in that kitchen and I'd never let her get out. Mm-hmm. And the husband would be pacing around the place and she's falling more in love with that house. <laughs> and, you know, as, as the minutes went on, and then I, you know, we used to auction everything. I remember then I'd get the next couple and they'd want it. and I four of them, mm-hmm. they all just had to have it, right? Mm-hmm. So the other thing that happens in negotiation is competitive tension. And so when two mm-hmm. people want things, it, the price goes up, obviously. Um, and so there's all those factors that go into, but um, I, I try not to, I try to say less at the front of a negotiation than I do at the end. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to let it come to me. Mm-hmm. What's coming to me means they want to sell it more than I want to buy it. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to them, that means I want to buy it more than they want to sell it. And so I'm at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I, I tend to set up, you know, I might light some fires. I might have some, you know, tactics going on around, you know, a particular negotiation. So it comes to me. Mm-hmm more than me going to eat it. That's how mm-hmm. I do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, that's interesting because the first, so this is a, a list of five ways to negotiate right. uh, that a um, hostage negotiator put together. Right. So I think he was a hostage negotiator turned, Joke. you know, going to teach you how to negotiate, right? So <laughs> uh, the first thing he's, I think he's been on Rogan um, and, you know, has made all the rounds. But the first thing he bas- he basically says is make the first offer. One of the best negotiating strategies is to seize control of the bargaining table. Um, The best negotiators do this by setting the terms of the negotiation. Research has shown that final prices tend to be higher when the seller sets the opening offer, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is interesting. I've never negotiated that way. Anything I've ever done, it's always been that dance of like. So, what's the budget? And then the person's like, well, what's it going to cost? And we're going to like, who's going to drop the first thing? And there's always this hesitation. So, this kind of like threw me for a little bit because this went against every yeah. notion that I've ever, ever had. I mean, look,
1: if there's a guy holding people hostage with a gun, yeah, you probably want to show it <laughs> pretty quick um, yeah. and, and kind of show his boss. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't use this tactic in um, this particular one mm-hmm. on, you know, like, we we sign software contracts all the time, and our oh, CFO he's a guru at this. You know he's better than me. But, but you know we just we have two or three options, and we go to you that you provide X service to us, and we we pit you off each other. Mm-hmm. And, and like you know we're, we're we're not we're not coming in saying I'll take I'll buy it for X. You tell me what you're prepared to sell it for, and then I'll go mm-hmm. to the other guy, and I'm going to find out what he's going to sell the same thing, and are the features the same, or does this one better? And if they are better for you, I'm going to let you know that. Mm-hmm. Say, man, we're looking real hard at your competitor, and you know my my CEO he wants to buy that one, and you're trying to sell me this one. And tell me why?
0: Yep. Right. So it's uh, I guess the context is different, but yeah, I, I um, I know the yeah. other side of that really well because all my sales jobs have been selling as, as a vendor into businesses, right. and so I I yeah yeah its you're bad. yep you're never the right. only if you're a salesperson listening to this if the person you're selling to is good at their job you're mm-hmm. not the only person that they're talking to about yeah. this most of the time, <laughs> you know, to that they are. Totally yeah. Right, that. Yeah. And we, we did that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get, we
1: get people like, Hey, I'll, let us look at your, you know, what, what about products? And, mm-hmm. and then we know our competition, we know the feature set of our competition. We know the price points of our competition. So when those things come up, we can very easily talk about them and, you know, give mm-hmm. them the four reasons why it's better to go with us. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, but, Look, if you're talking about um, you know, buying companies or or you know, negotiating a raise or like you just wanna know the leverage points you have mm-hmm. and um and kind of let I, I honestly I just let it come to me. Yeah. Unless I really want something, I don't really care what I pay for it. Yep. Right? It's, that's different. There's mm-hmm. nothing negotiation, I just want it. <laughs> I, I yes. Just need this thing. So
0: it's yep. uh it's, it's different in different circumstances mm-hmm. this one's good uh number two when discussing money use concrete numbers instead of a range um yep. again, yeah again it's yeah you know that's that final thing
1: right like you've probably done you've been dancing for a long mm-hmm. time to to mm-hmm. once you get, mm-hmm. once you say a price that's mm-hmm. like you're at the end because mm-hmm. then it's yes or no right or or a counter offer but yeah i i think. Um, it just, you know, I've used ranges too. I gotta say, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, totally. Yeah, know, I'm trying to set the turn, like, I set the table here. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna go look between 100 and 150, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, like, if I'm the buyer or the seller, but you know, I don't mind a range, but like, you got to get to
0: price at some point,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I guess you get there, the better.
0: Mm -hmm. This next one's great because uh, this is the one I've been the worst at and had to Mm -hmm. work on the most, especially in like my sale, doing sales days, which is only talk as much as you need to. One of the shrewdest negotiation strategies is to harness the power of silence. I I was the guy. I was the guy that would get off a call and my boss would be like, dude, shut (laughs) up, stop, say what you're going to say and stop talking. Wait um yeah. you have literally just talked yourself into a corner yeah, yeah. and that's huge right Is just being able to say something and just let it let that it
1: read that may be the number one thing mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. you know we're having a conversation and i ask a question or i throw something out there and then the what i have to do then is just stop mm-hmm. and a, it, a second is awkward 10 mm-hmm. seconds is really awkward mm-hmm. but you have to wait for the response if you ask the mm-hmm. question and you keep talking, or you made a point about a feature, mm-hmm. or you made a comparison about your product versus something else, and 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 you have to keep talking, you lost. Mm-hmm. And so
0: You know, you know who traps me in this every time is your son, Jake. Every single <laughs> time we get in any type of argument, he asks he a lo- question knows, knows. and then he just sits and stares. <laughs> and I'll just and we are I just argue with him just because it's fun. He's like got yeah. that lawyer. You know, right. so I'm always if he takes one side, I'm going to take the other. Just right. it doesn't matter if it's on like is Coke or Pepsi better. We're going to do right. it right.
1: Yeah. yeah and yeah. he just
0: has this way of saying something, asking a question and then just stopping and staring. Yeah. And well, then it, I and then I talk and then I think I'm done and he just doesn't say anything and just keeps yeah. talking <laughs> and staring. So there's this, there's this other rule,
1: right? He who speaks first loses. Yeah. Right. So once you put it out there, like whoever speaks ne- next, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's like losing yes. the negotiation yeah and so i totally believe in that and this mm-hmm. is when it comes to words mm-hmm. um you know in 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 that in that environment and but it's really hard to, to not speak
0: especially mm-hmm. the you're the selling because you're yes right you're yep. you, want, you want to sell that product. i gotta prove my point and the person's yeah. like i know i i know my point i don't need you to prove it i'm i'm good yeah, yeah. 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 um yeah that's great jake if you're listening uh, yeah. we'll, we're gonna keep <laughs> keep going at this um Okay, uh, number four. Ask open-ended questions and listen carefully. So that's that's great, and I think that's we talk about that even in our selling episodes, right? Is yeah. you just you ask questions and you take in information.
1: Yeah, you're you're uh, um, you're asking about problems, asking about solutions that they need. You're, you know, you're trying to talk about like all the pain that your product is going to solve mm-hmm. by getting them to highlight all the pain that they have. Mm-hmm. By asking them these questions on how they're going to use this product and, you know, how, wh- what have you been using to date? Why isn't it working? And tell me about what, you've had this thing for five years and, you know, why isn't it like doing what, why are you looking around for something else? Like this mm-hmm. seems to be working and they're like, no, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And eventually you start talking about the benefits of what you're selling and, you right. know, you, you've talked them into, you've talked them into a corner.
0: Yeah. It's right. like, now they can't not have it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> This last one, I think, is probably, to me, the best, and I think it's often the most overlooked, and that's just basically that the best negotiate agreement lets both sides win. Dealmakers who have a win-lose mindset tend to alienate partners. Uh, Dealmakers who push for win-win outcomes um, is really what keeps going, and I think that's the thing is I think most people who don't do a lot of negotiation, they feel like it has to be adversarial. Right. And I think what this is saying is like, no, this is actually just two people beneficially coming to an agreement that's going to help both of them. And I and think both, both framing it that way is huge, right? Yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like having, depending on what your business is, having repeat business is usually the result of an experience someone had the last time they dealt with you. Mm-hmm. So if that experience was pleasant and they felt like they got true value, mm-hmm. um, they're likely to buy it again and tell other people they bought it right so Mm -hmm. I think uh and that's that's the freest best advertising you ever get having your own customers tell everyone else about them um Mm -hmm. so yeah I I definitely think it's uh it's not an emotional thing negotiation it's like I'm just trying to get the best Mm -hmm. and uh if and win-win is always better than win-lose so yeah 100% Mm -hmm.
0: agree Mm -hmm. yeah those are great any other thoughts on any of this stuff man negotiation optimism I mean a lot happening right now, you know. Yeah,
1: these are good tools. Like I, you know, I was talking to someone the other day that you know I work with, and they're training up a junior, and and um, and I said, "What what blogs do they read? What books are they reading? What podcast do they listen to?" There is literally so much information mm-hmm. available for you to become an expert. We might even led with this in episode one. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing that's not. Free for you to learn Yep, become so good mm-hmm. and you know it's just like man if you're in product if you're in product if, if you mow lawns for a living if you're a mechanic mm-hmm. if you it doesn't matter what you are there is I get I'm not even looked but I guarantee you there's podcasts about you know garden maintenance a million percent a right? million percent so pick anything that mm-hmm. you're doing today and there is free information for you to become the best and when you're the best and you have all the answers you have all the leverage mm-hmm And you'll win every time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether you need to learn to be more optimistic and and think like an optimistic person thinks, whether you're trying to learn negotiation skills to be able to, you know, do better deals, it's all available for free. Mm
0: -hmm. It's literally all of it is out there. And, and it is people literally just willing to share. People actually are now wanting to monetize their story and they'll give you the most intricate details of of what it is they're doing so yeah i i fully agree with that go get it awesome dean as always this has been fun thank you we'll see all of you guys back here next week
1: you bet